Welcome to another edition of Practitioner Radio, Pink Elephant's podcast for the IT management community. community. Today, maybe a little bit more of an IT COVID community. It's Chris Dantium here with Troy. Too. Hey, Troy, how you doing? Hey, Chris. Well, it's very much as part of the larger family, right? So we're yes, here, yes. here. We're not just IT today. We're actually going to talk enterprise business concepts as well. So we're, we're, we're checking this up a couple of levels here. We're, we're, we're kick, and it's not even 2014 yet. And, and I was doing the intro like I always do, and I realized, oh, you that self-awareness is a real bummer sometimes. There's like, wow, I'm saying stuff that might not be true today. So we're uh, episode 49. We're about to turn 50. We're we almost are. ready for an AARP card if we, you lived in America. Well, you know, I don't know what that means, but that's okay. It's Association of Retired People. When you turn 50, you get this card. Oh, a card-carrying member, I see. Of senior citizenship. Well, one next episode, not this one. All right, well, we're not quite there yet. No, we're still spry chickens today. So we're, <laughs> we're going to end our youth talking about... Uh, something very exciting new came out last year, COVID-5. So this is the COVID-5 show, and let's just, like, dive right into this. So, Troy, you've got some history with COVID. This is, this is before we get right into five, you've got some history, don't you? I do, actually. I actually had the privilege of working with a lot of smart people uh, on COVID-4 and 4.1, and so I actually have my name associated with COVID framework, with working with ISACA and a number of different people. Uh, four and four point one were kind of interesting evolutions for the COBIT history because it's it's when really COBIT started to pay attention to other frameworks and they invited a bunch of people and subject matter experts, I guess, from you know the various domain areas like ITIL and TOGAF and Prince Two or PMI. They got us all in a room and said, "Okay, figure out how do we how do we integrate all this stuff." So I actually was one of those folks with many others actually, and I really got into COBIT back in that period and. The five is really kind of an improvement as well. Okay, so are you ready for a little time warp? In July of 2012, you actually went through some of that history with us on Practitioner Radio episode 29. That was July 2012. Did I? Oh, yeah. here we are again. I know. So it's time warp. So four or five, if you give us the three biggest principles, we dive into five with these amazing concepts and slides that you've shared with us that we're going to put out on the blogs and the sites and everything. Could you just, this this was something Fatima taught me a long time ago. What are three big things you think for five? All right. So some big things here. First of all, ISACA having this mandate to come up with the governance approaches and information uh, was starting to get a little bit. Well, they had a lot of stuff out there, and it was all very difficult to bring together. So what they've done with Five is they've aggregated various frameworks like COBIT for one, like Val IT, like Risk IT, and they brought it together for us humans that can't see that complicated a model, and they moved it to one. Uh, so one integrated framework. That's one thing. They made it practical. They, br- they brought it in, they condensed it, and made it usable, in my words. Another key is COBIT's been on this journey from being just an auditor's toolkit to becoming a management framework and then a governance framework. And they very much kind of separated out 
Now, what is governance versus management? That's helpful. Mm. They've also focused on the fact that you need one framework to basically effectively do governance, not multiples. Uh, so one ring to rule them all, if you will. Mm-hmm. And uh, this, this concept of one enterprise approach and not separating business and IT. So the concept of enterprise in a COVID world is not enterprise IT, it's enterprise, the enterprise, where IT is one value contributor to the business ecosystem. So it sounds like they went for the the golden the, the golden ring that we always try to talk about that, you know, and that seemed to be a theme in a lot of conferences this past year. I know it's a big theme at Pink 14 and it's just it's just the business. Yeah, there's no separation of church and state. And the business is IT. Exactly, man. We are the, the boiler room or, you know, the facilities or the, the manufacturing capability of business outcome. I believe in the future business is IT. Well, the future is now. The future is now. It's just have we caught up with a realization and, you know, cultural recognition of this. Okay. Then there's principles and enablers. We can get into more of that, but there's some really cool stuff. There is cool stuff. I mean, these pretty powerful stuff you shared with me this morning. So what's a good place for us to get started on this? I mean, we've got... Lots of cool things, words like cascades and principles and uh, enablers. And yeah, let's step back to our operating model conversation. Okay, because we've had a couple of different shows and on the operating model. Yep. In that discussion, we were talking about this that if you're going to have this overall plan, build, run, value chain defined, and the world is basically full of complex different bit parts that basically come together to provide IT services. You know, both dev and ops and internal and external suppliers and IT functions, which are shadow IT groups that, you know, don't like to think of themselves as IT. But there's this whole collage of various people, groups, doing stuff, trying to get this stuff done. You need some kind of overall map. Picture on the puzzle box is one concept we use once. that says, here are the things that we do from the point of view of demand, customer conversation, and how we build that out to deliver value. This is the operating model, kind of flash forward. Mm. But at that level, there is no framework that basically covers all of the A to Z activities, right? So ITIL gives you one little piece here, TOGAF for architecture over there, project management. So there's no umbrella framework until COVID came along. So if you're going to talk operating model, so this is above management frameworks like ITIL, you need a framework that basically says, what are all the moving parts of this overall operating model construct? I like to think of COBIT in a simple way. It's basically like a scope statement for IT mm. or IT services. Before COBIT came along, I had no way to know whether I should have two hands, right? I had one hand, didn't know any different until COBIT said, okay, well, you really should have a second hand. First, I can evaluate, does that hand really need to be there? Okay, it does. So it gave me the basis of uh, realizing I might be missing something here, and COVID is a is a scope statement in that context. Yeah, and and I think the way that you explained it to me and, and what I'm what I'm observing here is it's got room not only for all the parts of the business but lots of other frameworks. So it is a huge scope statement. In fact, that was one of the improvements from four to five. So in four, they got us all together, right? These SMEs from various groups, and we kind of helped mm-hmm. to align it. But there was acknowledgement of the other frameworks, and it was a general wave in that direction. Uh, for this area, go see uh, ITIL, generally speaking, or PMI or PRINCE2, right? With COBIT5, it gets much more prescriptive. It says, for this specific process, go check out these specific frameworks for these specific process areas. Literally, it maps it right down to the best practice level. 
So it's much more explicit in that context. Nice. One thing, though, is COVID's not necessarily to adopt out of the box and say, okay, here's my operating model. So can you, can, can you buy, can you buy to, uh, COVID software? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> well, probably you can. <laughs> <laughs> so where would someone get started when looking? I mean, some people have never heard of COVID. Some people might be on a COVID journey. Uh, some people might not even look at it as a version number. They're just borrowing parts of it. Where's a good place to start a conversation on something like this when we've got such small amount of time? First of all, you know, they can go to YouTube. There's lots of information there. One of the guys I respect involved in ISACA and COVID is Gary Hardy. Mm. Uh, I recommend some of his things that he's got on YouTube. Of course, I'm hoping you're listening to this podcast, so that's another one. Mm. Uh, those are way, good ways to quickly do a quick dive into one of the highlights. The other thing you can do, because it's not that expensive, is go out and become an ISACA member, mm. and then you can download the COBIT collateral for free in the e-world we're in now. And one of the documents that you're going to want to look at is called the framework document, which is the high level. It's, you know, it's not that bad compared to other tomes we have out there. Yeah. You know, it's something you can get through pretty quickly. Yeah, I actually, I was, as, I was a member, like, I don't think I renewed last year, but not because it wasn't worth it. It was literally just, I forgot to, and you just reminded me. Um, but, you know, they, they're, as a member, for a membership organization, um, you got, I got some really neat stuff. I mean, the, the magazine looked like an actual magazine, and it was full of, like, really thoughtful I would just say a bordering on academic type stuff. So good stuff. So those are good places to start if you're going to, you know, start your journey. Mm -hmm. But in, in essence, we've said this before, it's very difficult to get a handle on something you haven't defined, right? What's not defined cannot be controlled. What's not controlled cannot be measured. What's not measured cannot be improved. So the base concept of you're going to get your hand around something, you want to get control of something, you've got to get it down on paper. Uh, that concept of the puzzle box. You need the picture on the puzzle box to give you the context to put the pieces together. Well, COBIT is a toolkit for that. And it's interesting because I've had people tell me, well, IT is way too complex. There's way too many moving parts to even do anything relative to definition of what's expected. But my argument, and they'll pull out the Cinefin model, et cetera. We can link to that. My argument actually is, the more complex the scenario, the more need you have for definition, whether that's high level, but it has to be something. It has to give you some basis of it enters here and it comes out here and here are the major components between. Mm -hmm. So COBIT at least gives me that. If, even if I don't want to create my own individual organizational operating model, just leveraging COBIT from the point of view of governance is good. Which comes back to this, what is governance versus management? So, Chris, in your own words, what do you think? How would you describe the difference between them? Well, governance, for me, was something that I think two years ago I would have thought this is just a group of, I would describe them as like laws, like I had to apply. Not like, I'm sure in some ways civic laws, but at the time I was just thinking it was like, this is the governance, this is like, this is our, you know, moral system of businesses could have moral systems. And then I saw Rob England do a, a presentation on, all my education comes from Rob England and Troy. Uh, then I saw Rob England do a presentation on governance a couple, like a year later, 
And he really, to me, what I took away from that, and I hope he doesn't, he's not listening, he's busy these days, so he probably hope he doesn't. But what I took away from that was, it really was to protect the, 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 the organization, the entity, the business entity. And, and out of that, there was uh, the managers in the organization, but then there was the board of directors. And the board of directors kind of sets the vision and it's management's job to make sure that that vision gets executed on. But all of that is bound by a set of governing principles or a governance within the business. So it was really the idea of protecting the core entity from and keeping it safe, if that makes sense. So that's how I understand it now. But I used to think it was just like governance meant these are all the things you have to do because, you know, some some law in, in some country says you have to. So I've got two wildly different views of it from the past three years. Yeah, that's actually very common. Uh, a lot of people believe governance is really about do's and don'ts and yeah. the legal requirements and compliance to yeah. laws around Sarbanes-Oxley or Basel II. That's what I thought. You know, because it's, it's the bad guy over there with the ruler in his hand slapping it on his palm saying, okay, you know, behave. It's actually much more strategic than that. And that's where COVID's also helped us out. Um, it's it's around setting vision. Absolutely, you're correct there. But it's more than just, you know, there's the hill, let's take it, or uh, let's become world-class. Governance has to give you more definition of what world-class means because it's not fair as a leader to say, let's be world-class and go out and fulfill my my obligation and my expectations in that context. But there's no definition of <laughs> what does world-class even look like. Right, so you've got to governance has to direct more than simply say go that direction. Right, without a map, it's hard to orient on what that means. Uh, so, if you think about it, and this is where COVID has used an ISO standard, which is thirty-eight five hundred. Governance is basically three things. You need to evaluate what you're currently doing. Mm-hmm. But let's understand evaluate. Yeah. Evaluate means I have some reference model to evaluate against, other than my what I think is good. Because if that was the case, then everyone's uh, concept of what is good would be in their uh, their own eyes. So evaluate has to be based on some reference model. What would reference model would we use? We'd use either our internally developed operating model for what is expected, or we could use COBIT. But COBIT at least gives us a frame of reference to say, here are 37 different process areas. Uh, how are we doing <laughs> against these yeah. areas? Right? Because to evaluate, I have to have reference. So that's a reference. Evaluate says, here's where we are against what is our reference model. Then, because I can't boil the ocean, I've got to do something in a business prioritized sense where it makes sense. Unless you're a solar flare. And yeah, and then you have <laughs> unlimited power in the cosmic <laughs> yes. universe, right? But you got to direct pieces because yeah. you got all these people with their hands up saying, help, I want funding over here. I need funding, right? Yeah. So you get the all these different groups saying, you know, pick me, pick me. But you can't do everything at once. You don't have that kind of capacity, money or resource. Mm-hmm. So you got to direct what you expect based on your evaluate. That's direct. I expect you to take the hill, but I want you to start with this piece, this piece and that piece. Mm-hmm. So governance needs to give leadership direction in okay which pieces do we pull up our socks on first whether it's information security architecture service orientation whatever that is now as a good leader you would expect to set a direction right but then you'd want to check to make sure what you expected was actually being accomplished now we're in monitor and based on what i discover based on monitor i will again evaluate direct and make my next set of statements right so this evaluate direct monitor, this is governance. It's not actually doing, 
but it is establishing what is expected because doing is management. Does that make sense? Yeah. But I have to give you more, Chris, than a, a vague direction and a wave of my hand. So that's where the operating model concept comes in. This is where an organization uses a reference model like COVID to say, okay, let's do this. That's where COVID really has done a great job by separating out. There are 37 processes, yes, across the entire framework. Five of them are governance. And the first one is establish a framework for governance, which is an operating model. And then there are 32, which are management, which are the pieces that you need to do to accomplish what I've set you to do. Now, here's where COVID starts and stops. It gives you enough information about what's expected, process goals, KPIs, practice areas, activities, but it doesn't give you enough detail to say, okay, how do I get this done? That's where you got to pick up a, you know, another book, whether it's an architecture book using TOGAF or ITIL book, because it's in that management framework, you'll find the actual detail you need to actually execute. So basically, COVID points to specific areas. COVID's almost like a, a legend on a map. Yes, I love that. COVID is the legend, the overall umbrella integrator framework. Because it makes sense the way you've explained it now. That I, and I'm, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking in pictures that have nothing to do with what you're saying to get my head around it because it's so big. But yeah, I like the way that it could be like, you know, in the corner of a much larger map with lots of uh, frameworks and processes and ideology and methodology. And it's just kind of sitting there going in this point to that and point to that. I like this. Well, and a lot at a leadership level, personally, here's a statement. It sounds interesting coming from a guy who cut his teeth on ITIL. I believe if you're a manager level person or higher in an organization and you're expected to provide leadership to that organization, then it would be better for you to take an, a COBIT Foundations course first before an ITIL Foundations course. Smart. Because it would give you the larger picture and then the understanding of what pieces fit where. I mean, just like it sounds terrible, I didn't even know they had foundation classes for COBIT. <laughs> uh, so you literally, how long are those? I mean, do they actually, you're saying there are some... Of course, you just said that. So how long is a COVID Foundations class? It's three days in the one that we teach. Uh, and uh, it's just like a, an ITIL Foundations. It's, for, you know, first principles. It's talking about what we're discussing today. Uh, it gets into a bit more detail, of course. But the reality is it's um, a foundational level course to help you understand the framework. Uh, there are two other courses in the ISACA ecosystem of certification, there's an implementation course that's just been released. That's, okay, you decided to do something with this and you want more education on that and you're a consultant or you're an assessor because now they've, they've done a lot more formality around how do you do COBIT's assessments and they're using the ISO standard for assessing called 15504. Mm. And that's a bit more complicated and different, by the way, than most organizations who do assessments using the CMMI model, which is more readily understood. So there's a class on this for assessors. I, I meet a lot of um, new people in IT, and I actually have a lot of friends that are younger, you know, people in their early 30s and late 20s. And uh, I've recently, I've having a lot of them come to me and say, well, you know, what classes should I take? And I, of course, I always, <laughs> I can kind of say this out loud on, on air. Uh, I always say, you know, take an ITIL Foundations class. Uh, definitely look at a um, some type of project management introduction. And the third thing I tell them is, Kind of get an under, understanding or an introduction to Scrum or Lean or Agile. Find something yeah. to help wrap your head. Those are the three you need for the next 10 years. But so I, from what I'm just saying, from what I'm listening to you say, I think I should start with saying, actually, before you do anything, get a COVID class in you. 
and then let's talk. And that's true if this person is on the leadership track, right? Yeah, if it might be a little bit overwhelming for the person who's coming in as a developer mm-hmm. <laughs> or a service mm-hmm. desk analyst. Mm-hmm. But if you're expected to hold all the pieces together and understand your, your piece within the larger context of the entire value system, then definitely COBIT is something you need to pay attention to. Because I like the idea of those, you know, kind of like, you know, the beginner's quadfecta of value systems, right? You've got a COBIT beginning, you've kind of got an agile scrum. Because actually you made me, well, you didn't make me, but after you asked me to watch that 10-minute video uh, when we had that show on agile scrum and lean. Um, and then uh, I, I just think it's a nice little, if you can get two weeks, take a beginning class and all those things, Get your head around it. And you don't have to learn it. You just have to be able to look for it, know when you see it, and know when there might be something you can go reference. Mm -hmm. I think those are core things that people need to understand. Mm -hmm. Depending on where you are within the value stream, you might want to focus on one or the other. Like if you're a developer, definitely you want to understand what Agile Scrum is and other software development lifecycle, you know, SDLC concepts. The biggest problem I face with some of these young people, Troy, is... I think work is changing so fast. I don't know where they're going to be. And even if they have a choice anymore, that's why I always kind of say do all of it. And that's the pack I would select. There's your bundle. We have a (laughs) practitioner radio bundle today for $99 if you call right now. And yet there's more. (laughs) But yet there's more. If you say George Spaulding, we'll throw in a bundle at half price for a friend. All right. Cool. So, yeah, I'm really liking the the improvements they've made with COVID-5. One of the areas which I'm really keen on, uh, is what something they call uh, their enablers. They talk about seven enablers. I actually did research on seven enablers. They're not, they're not these seven enablers, but they picked the same number. I thought that was kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. What is good is that, you know, it's basically saying that process is not everything. <gasps> oh my goodness, sacrilege, right? From a process guy. But the- Ross, can, can, Ross can, we get a, can we get a dramatic sound? Thanks, Ross. Process is one of the enablers that you need to be successful. And by the word enabler, what would be the 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 contradictory word or the negative word to that? Enabler, suppressor, I, I don't know. Disabler, right? Something if you don't have it, it's 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 not gonna actually probably be effective. Right. So if it's, if something is an enabler, it makes it happen, right? A critical success factor is another way to think of that, then it's absence or its lack of maturity probably leaves you at a disadvantage. You're disabled in this context. Mm. These enablers are great because the first one, it's about that belief concept you discussed really early. You need a belief and value system that says this is true. We will act this way. We will perform in this kind of ethical uh, manner. We will follow these principles. We will have one approach to delivering value. So there's this principle of thou shalt. That's a policy statement from on high. In this case, tone at the top, our leadership, not you know, deity, but someone must declare truth. And the truth must then be accepted as truth. And this is where you need this policy construct. These things are written down and we cannot claim expenses for taking our wives to the movies, you know? Yeah. You know, until it's written down, I, I'll get away with it, right? Or I'll try, maybe. Well, where was this? Was this past year, I think, on one of our shows? And I'm not going to I'm not gonna be quick on the draw here, but uh, until it's written down, it's a rumor. Someone said that. Or something along those lines. So you need to set down the, the, the Ten Commandments of whatever you believe so that everyone shares those core beliefs. It is amazing, the power of writing something down. I mean, there's been a lot in, in, in tech lately where literally it's something as simple as blog or something as simple as a tweet once it's written down or typed down, people just kind of, it changes things. It sets tone. Um, our organization has core values. Yes. These are, these are, these are things that, that, that set direction for pinkers. Mm. 
right? That we're, we have core values that say we're courageous, open-minded, responsible, and enterprising. This who's who we are. That sets our tone. I was afraid you were going to ask me to do them. Because <laughs> I, like, I had to learn them too when I was there. <laughs> but then we need process. Yes, we need processes for uh, how we, we work with customers and engage with them and how we execute in our consulting or deliver our training. But we also need an org structure, which is the third enabler. We need the right people at the right level for decision-making. But we need the rights, the people, you know, for the execution side as well. So we need an org chart. We have a culture and behavior that is unique to our organization, which makes us distinct. That's another enabler. Often the leadership sets that tone. We need information. We need our pink atlas, right? We need our, we need our product library that Robin and team helps us to manage. We need those services, which are supported by infrastructure and applications. Uh, we do assessments, but we use an online tool for that. So we have tech. Like everybody has tech. That's an enabler. Right? And then we have the right people. We hire the right people with the right skills, with the right skills, competency to be the best performers, whatever role we've defined for them, whether, whether that's leadership roles or delivery type roles. Now, how do, you, how do you actually deliver on value unless you have all of those enablers, right? The seven enablers. Principles, processes, org structure, culture, information, services, and the right people. Without one of them, something's missing. No, I mean, I like the enablers. Uh, you know, I'm always looking for, is there is there a reason they're ordered the way they are? But I'm sure, that, you know, as a human, just humans overthink stuff. If I look at them, you know, you got to look at the, the picture that Kobe provides. You, you set truth with principles and policies, yeah. but then you have to define what that looks like within a more detail. That's process. Yeah. Then you need org structure, basically, to basically see who's executing that process. Okay. Then you need to have a culture of ethics and behavior for the people in the org structure, because if your senior leadership keep bypassing your core processes, then that's not going to work very well. That's interesting. You need information to manage whether culture and behavior is actually executing process. Your feedback. Uh, you need automation to basically make it visible, automate it, and be able to give you reports. And you have to have people who are skilled at all of the above. So I think there is an inherent order here. Thank you for doing it, because that makes a little bit more sense. Now, are we? can we put any of these pictures or slides up when we post this? I'll give you the pink pictures, because the COVID stuff is, we can't use it's that, but you will, we can All point right. to the ISACA slides, I think, uh, website for that. All right, so uh, we'll make sure we get uh, these and some of these in the show notes, because, uh, you know, being able to talk to Troy is always wonderful. He He's one of the few people who gives me visual aids, and it helps with heavy stuff like this. Uh, I really do like the order, the way that you explained it, because I, you know, of course I would like, why isn't people in culture, why is that like one and two? But you're right, you really can't really look at culture until you've got the organizational structure and you understand where everybody is. And you really need the information then, yeah, it's perfect. There is one thing I'd like to mention before the show closes. I know we're getting close. One more thing. One more, one more thing. But there's one more <laughs> but thing. But there's more, Chris. I'm telling you, at 49, we're still spry. <laughs> What is the what is the definition of value? Ugh. That is the question. It's like what is the question of life, right? What is the meaning of life? Yeah. Here's really what I like that Cobit did. Uh, that is unique to Cobit and I think beyond Eitel. Mm. You know, we always talk about value as something the customer wants to pay for, but what does value mean really? Uh, well, stakeholder defines value, right? The person receiving yep. it is the one. So, values in the eye of the beholder or consumer. But to deliver value, you have to do three things. IT has traditionally done the first two well. Uh, one is resource optimization. Okay, we've got these assets, these resources. Let's see how we can make it cheaper and faster every year, right? Do more with less. 
Uh, we've we're been, we've been in that journey for many many years, and that's that's core to our ethos. Uh, risk optimization. A lot of bad people out there. Security issues. The organization could go belly up without the IT systems and information it needs to survive. So let's manage risk. We do that well. So that's the technical component of value, and it's still two out of three components. But here's the third component, which is benefit realization. This is where ITIL has been focusing on service outcomes. Without understanding what those resources do, how do you even understand whether you're delivering value in the concept of benefit? So you really need to get the construct of service structure or definition to understand the definition of what is it this thing is supposed to achieve and getting performance measures to say, is it happening? This construct of service and infrastructure and applications being components of that is, is yes, in ITIL, but also in COVID. So the value, quickly again, is made up of three key areas, resource, risk optimization, those two, and benefits realization. Until you get all three legs of the stool, you got nothing to sit on. Yeah, I think it, it, people do get hung up on value. It's almost like it, value is almost the new what is a service. It's the, you know that question that paralyzed people for a few years. Uh, it's almost now what is value, and you see the whole room kind of start to shut down. Half of them go, well, it's, it's value to the business, and then half of them go, well, what does that mean? Value to, yeah, <laughs> and then it's then the value to the customer, or it's outside in, and it's like, wow, well, we can't even get through that. So. COVID, uh, uh, even though I remember when 5 came, I mean, this is, have they updated on 5.1 yet? Are we still? No, 4.5.0 still. We're still working on 5.0. All right, we're still working on 4.5.0. Now, you know, Troy, even though we've been on hiatus, there's one thing that's a constant in the world of practitioner radio, and it's 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 the weather. Yes, looking stormy out there. You know, the, the weather does not stop. It's I'm feeling, I can see the clouds rolling in. I think it's time for Troy's Thunderbolts. <laughs> Chris, today's IT value chain is way too complex. There are way too many moving parts not to get some basis for understanding a reference for evaluating, directing, and monitoring. Organizations which are struggling with this need to look at COVID as a practical tool to give them a sense of how do they go about managing not just value, but how do they set direction? Wonderful. Troy, always a pleasure. I learned so much today. It's, gosh... We should do this practitioner thing uh, more often. Just kidding. I know we've been on hiatus, folks. Uh, we appreciate you uh, p- uh, putting up and, and, and waiting through our schedule. Uh, we're looking forward to bringing you some really exciting stuff between now and the end of the year. Troy and I have been talking about some really special episodes. And, of course, we've got our Pink 14 conference coming up. This will be year three. I think year three will be live on stage. So, uh, Troy, as always, such a pleasure. It certainly is. Looking forward to our next show. Thanks. Talk to everyone soon. Bye-bye.